Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easy, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. Here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like I have an outlet for the creativity and ideas I want to share with the world. I recommend you give it a try. We all have a voice, so share it with the world. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Everything in the Bible and the Book of Enoch and other sources say that because of the Watchers and because of the Giants, the Nephilim, the earth was incredibly violent and corrupt. So we never have any examples that they were these good, benevolent guardians of the earth. If you're thinking about deception, one of the big sins that the Lord... Uh, commands, you know, you shall love the Lord thy God and worship me only. So it's the sin of idolatry. So if if the enemy can deceive people and get these nations of the world to remember these ancestors, these entities, these even physical giants, these hybrids, as gentle, you're emulating them with all kinds of different things, and you end up devoting worship to them. To the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. Today we have a fascinating deep dive into reviewing episode 15 of Blurry Creatures with Michael Tellinger, as he talks about ancient fossilized bones, stone circles, huge giants, and the technology they had with resonance, frequencies, and vibrations how that ties into the power of words, curses, and blessings, and also comparing the theory of the Anunnaki in Sumerian texts to the Bible and the Book of Enoch. 
Uh, Blurry Creatures episode 15, Michael Tellinger on uh, the giant fossils. Because I found a uh, YouTube presentation that he has that I think would be a good follow-up for us to to go into. I've actually listened to this one, like his Blurry Creature episode, like six times. Because it's there's just so much there. Um, you know, he's talking about Sazer beams and magnetron technology and toroidal fields and all this stuff and Anunnaki. And I'm like, I got to look up this stuff because I don't know what he's talking about. Um, Anunnaki was that the um, was that the giants of numbers during uh, the time of the Exodus? Oh, you're thinking of spies? you're thinking of like uh, the Anakim. Okay, okay, it's close but not the same. Yep, and it may be because as you know, we're kind of learning from like Michael Heiser and others that. Some of these old, like Sumerian, Ugaritic, these different um, texts, these different languages that were contemporaries with the Hebrews, um, they share a lot of similar words. So, so it may be something to do with that. Oh, it's Amalekites. Oh, Amalekites. Yeah, they're. There's the Amalekites. Or the descendants, or the descent, they were the descendants of that. When you said Anaki? Uh, anu- Anunnaki. Anunnaki. Yeah. Okay. And the, uh, the New King James got it spelled A N A K. Oh, Anak. Yeah, sons of Anak. Yeah. Descendants of Anak. Yep, yep. They that's a, that's a giant tribe. Right. Well, um, I thought that's what we were talking about. No, Anunnaki is actually uh, comes from Sumerian, and and we can start right there. That's a good. Uh, that's one of the things I want to talk about anyway. So, um, I came across a little bit of info in Doug Van Dorn's book, uh, Giant Sons of the Gods. Um, but basically, Anunnaki were the Sumerian gods. Um, and so Michael Tellinger has some kind of unique. Maybe not unique to him, but unique to the biblical perspective on who they were. But I'll just kind of, I'll show you uh, what Doug Van Dorn says about it and and a footnote that he has in his book. So he says, uh, recall that Mount Hermon is where the Jews believe the fallen heavenly beings, the watchers first descended upon the earth. The Babylonians tell a very similar story for them. Herman, or Herman, was the home of the Anunnaki, the princely blood royal offspring, he defines it, uh, gods who lived with men a long time ago. Um, and then the footnote, the footnote to that is, he says, See John Day, God's conflict with the dragon and the sea, uh, that this guy John Day wrote. But then he says, the Anunnaki were made famous by Zechariah Sitchin, who believed they were aliens from another planet. Sitchin is simply mistaken. It is much better to see them as identical to the sons of God who came down in the days of Jared. So, just like you have other societies all over the world with di- with different creation stories, different flood narratives that share, right. si- share similarities to... Uh, the biblical story. Um, 
it seems that the Anunnaki are basically what we would call the Watchers. Um, oh, yeah. And so this was the Samaritans uh, writing uh, or Su- their story. Sumeri- Sumerian. So they were a Sumerian god. Um, yeah, and so so Doug Van Dorn says it's basically okay. This is it's kind of a semantical thing of saying, well, it's we're talking about the same thing, just like Ancient Aliens. The show will will you know you could replace Nephilim or or, or Watchers every time they say aliens. You know it's. They're calling the same thing by two different names. It's basically okay. what it is. So Michael Tellinger bases a lot of his understanding of ancient history on the Anunnaki. And he's talking about them being gold miners that were extracting gold. And he talks about the differentiation between like monatomic gold and regular gold. Like AU is the periodic table symbol. And he says regular gold is AU2 and monoatomic is AU1. And it's they were using it for a certain technology. Um, I don't know a whole lot about that. It's just something that he mentioned. But he calls them early genetic engineers. And he says that the Anunnaki cloned humans. So it's it sounds like... That's an interesting statement. Yeah, it sounds like he's getting into the these were our creators kind of... Um, false uh what's the word i'm looking for well he's calling them gods the counterfeit right? yeah and so it, it, it kind of falls into uh, the ancient aliens kind of line of thinking that's what i think too yeah so i it seems like it's kind of a counterfeit creation narrative because he's saying that they they cloned humans and they um shut off 95 percent of our dna and yeah interesting ideas but from what i gather they're basically a a retelling of the same story of the watchers but they're calling them their own their own race they're calling them that so um one of the one of the quotes that i like that he kind of starts out the show with you know well You've heard it a thousand or a hundred times or a thousand times. The um, they use they use it on blurry creatures on the open. History of our Earth is so different from what we can imagine, right? But I like the rest of his quote there. So that's the truncated version for the for the show intro. But he says we'd scarcely recognize our 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 Earth, our history, if it uh, if it was presented as a movie. You know, be so different than what we think it is. And he says it's actually closer to, you know, legends and mythologies that are told. Tim Mamberino was equating to that era to the the film series Lord of the Rings. Okay. The visuals. Hmm. And also kind of the, you know, the characters. A little bit of the storyline is, is, could, could be construed as um similar you know but okay i don't know yeah i've I've heard him reference that what kind of way he visualizes it in his mind right yeah lord of the rings narnia you know kind of yeah very different world very different creatures around um so then he he 
He's taking uh, the book of Enoch literally that uh, where it says that these, I, I, I assume the first the firstborn generation of giants from the Watchers, but it says in Enoch that they were 3,000 L's, which is about um, 4,500 feet. And he says uh, a lot of petrified rocks and even mountains and hills might be giant body parts. And that's part of what he has in his museum is, you know, he shows like this is a rib, this is a femur, this is a heart. Um, yeah, actual like organs and things like that. So that's pretty fascinating. I was trying to find info on that from his website and I couldn't find a lot of pictures. Maybe you have to be a member or something, but he does have in a YouTube um, presentation seminar that I just found this morning. Um, he does show a lot of slides of some of these things. So, so that's kind of neat. I'd be interested to look at that more. And then, you know, there's like, he's got a picture of himself standing next to, uh, a footprint and in rock. And the footprint is like six feet long. <laughs> it's insane. Okay. Yeah, and then and then he gets into the the stone circles that are fa- found all around the world, and especially where he's from in South Africa. And he was saying that these are energy generating machines. So, so the Earth gives off a frequency. Have you ever heard that? Like a resonance that it has. Actually, no, I haven't. Well, it's eight hertz or seven point eight hertz. So it's a very low frequency, like below our human hearing. I guess it was this guy Schumann might have discovered it. So it's it's called the Schumann resonance or Schumann frequency, I think, based on him. Um, but so apparently these stone circles are basically amplifying that signal in order to create energy. That's the way I'm understanding this. Makes you wonder what the significance of that is. Well, it was part of their technology, I believe, to create energy, to be able to move things, cut things. It might have been part of, you know, something spiritual or worship or or ritual. Like uh, like the one of the most famous Stonehenge. He says it's basically like an amplifier. It's like a circuit board, you know, and it's it's crazy. Um, and then he says that these stone circles, I don't know about all of them, but he says many of them are made up of fossilized body parts. And these, really? Yeah, and these body parts have acoustic resonance property to them. Like you can hit them and they ring like a bell. And I'm assuming most body parts don't do that. So is, is there something unique about those body parts? That's that's what I'm gathering, it seems like. Um, so then I had a really wild thought <laughs> about that. So this is, I had this thought literally yesterday. This is like the sixth time I've listened to this Blurry Creatures episode. So if the fossilized body parts ring like bells that are used in stone, stone circles and 
All right. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of foundational stuff to this wild thought. Okay, so you've heard it talked about where like divine beings give off light, like Lucifer's the light bearer, and right. I think Tim Alberino talks about that. Um, maybe maybe even pre-fallen Adam and Eve gave off light. Uh, it might have been Tim that suggested that, where he was saying that you know maybe that's why they. They didn't know they were naked. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder, well, okay, and then the other examples were, you know, Jesus' transfiguration um, and Moses after he came down from the mountain, right? He was kind of... so, right, And he was, in, it was God's presence that was yeah his, his glory coming out of his pores. Right, right. So, so I'm kind of connecting this to this speculation that maybe our pre-fallen state and maybe our glorified body state we actually emanate light in some way okay so okay. again yeah what are we going to say no i'm agreeing with you i'm i'm, I'm following you yeah um, yeah and, and it might have something to do with being created in god's image right you know that his children obviously he is unapproachable uh, light yeah yeah he's got that characteristic yeah okay so so you're with me so far so then i'm thinking okay all right this gets into and this isn't unique to michael tellinger but he talks about how um light is merely a consequence of sound of frequency of vibration so light comes from sound. Okay? And uh, so then I thought, okay, if these body parts ring like bells and maybe there's something to divine uh, abilities or, or DNA that gives off light, well, then that, that must have sound as its source. So then I thought, Okay, you know how they talk about, well, Laura Singer talks about, like, the different um, higher vibrations, lower vibrations based on emotions, right? Like okay. like the lower vibrations of, you know, evil things or, or selfish things. They're, they're, there's, there's, like, a measurable frequency to that. And then high, higher things like joy and love and enlightenment have a higher frequency. So what if our pre-fallen state, before we sinned in the Garden of Eden, we were created to have a higher vibration that emitted light? Hmm, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> and I, th I thought I heard somewhere along all this research, too, the last few weeks, that we, we do actually, uh, even now, give off a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of light. Like we're very slightly iridescent, um, it, it it can be detected basically, you know. I think I came across that. It, it would that be in the same category, even maybe not visually bioluminescence. Yeah, bioluminescence. Yeah, but maybe at a because our vision, our vision can only pick up so much of the light spectrum. Right. So maybe in this current state and this type of 
matter, this type of body that we're in, maybe it's very, very faint and we can't pick it up with our visuals. Oh, that's true. Yeah, th- that could be. Yeah, where, where it's just not detectable. Yeah, so that's kind of a wild thought that maybe, you know, huh. there, there's something similar in terms of being able to give off light from sound. Because um, the way, you know, if you look up like at Britannica.com or you look up, you know, what is light, they say it's electromagnetic radiation. Um, oh, and then, okay, so then I had another thought that gives, it's another rabbit trail. But, so, different theories to how, like, the heavens are suspended above us, right? So the, so if you kind of... If you kind of set aside like the traditional gravity solar system model and and say, okay, what what is keeping these things up there? So some have said that like the sun and moon are electromagnetic. And then you know how they say light is both a wave and a particle? And it's kind of baffling how it's two at the same time, I guess, to science. So then I thought, well, a wave is like sound. So maybe like sonar, yeah. So it goes through the water, and mm-hmm. so maybe the you know maybe the sun is suspended, similar to the way that these stone circles were used, or the ancient tech was used to levitate rocks or stones into place, which which we can do on a small scale. I mean, you can look it up on YouTube, and they're they're using sound to like suspend little little marble sized things so maybe that is what suspends our sun and moon is there there is a a frequency that creates the light and then there's like an electromagnetic suspension between the earth and the heavenly bodies that keeps them there so kind of wild but (laughs) yeah I'm getting back into some of his other stuff. So, yeah, he basically says, you know, the primordial source of everything of creation is sound resonance and frequencies. And him not even being a Christian, he says, well, right in the Genesis, he says, it tells us the sequence of creation. And God said, let there be light. I was like, that makes so much sense. So he said it, frequency, and there was light. So, once again, light as a consequence of sound. So that's kind of fascinating, huh? Yeah, it is. So then he gets into some of these things like magnetrons, saser beams, uh, toroidal fields, which I don't... Can you touch on that one real quick? Uh, What is the beams? So, like... Can you expound on that? A little bit. So there's laser beams, which we all know about, right? And you can... And you can have a weak laser, like a like a pointer, you know, a laser pointer to make your cat jump around the room. Or you can have a strong laser that can burn a hole through something. Um, but he talks about saser beams, which I, I believe is spelled S-A-S-E-R. And he says that is created from, uh, from frequencies being amplified. And so some of the some of the uh, artifacts that he talks about are these cone-shaped tools 
where it, uh, I, I wish I knew how it all worked, but it was basically the using frequencies to create something that is more powerful than a laser beam um, and, and is able to cut, yeah, cut right through metal, cut right through stone. So that may be a part of the ancient technology that was used. So I'm assuming this is his theory on this stuff. He doesn't have evidence that this thing existed, does he? Well, he has these cone-shaped tools, and they continue to give off uh, a resonance, he says. you Like you can measure them or hear them or, or something. And he says, like, even the, the, I think it's the biggest stone circle in the world, Adam's calendar, he says to this day, it's giving off energy. So, yeah, there's, there's something to that. And when he that. says energy, is, he, is it tied into what you were saying earlier? Like this vibration, this, this maybe, uh, I don't know, you would need something. You wouldn't probably feel it. I don't, uh, maybe you could feel it. I don't know. That's yeah. That's or what I don't. Need, or, or you need something to uh, to measure. Some, I, I don't know what kind of piece of equipment you would use. Right. Yeah, I don't know how you would measure it. I don't know how you would feel it necessarily. But um, he was in in one of the videos I watched of him. He was talking to a scientist friend about these things, and they were talking about like one of these stone circles being able to create more energy than all the nuclear power plants in the world. And it's just like, it's mind numbing. And it makes me think of, um, hmm. it makes me think of Nikola Tesla, you know, because he was talking about like unlimited energy and energy right out of the air and, you know, lighting up a light bulb without it being connected to anything. And apparently you can do that with frequencies, with sound. It actually can can create power. That's and wild. Course, yeah, and, and of course we know, you know, I think that would be an episode in itself for us to talk about Tesla, but a lot of his, well, um, uh, uh, Randall Carlson on Joe Rogan was talking about Tesla and how his, his patents are, are swooped up by by the government and not released to the public. So there's all sorts of technology that he was stumbling upon that, you know, they they don't want us to know about. I mean, if 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 we're if we're paying for energy from the energy company because they got to burn coal or or oil or you know generate power in some way, but there's free energy out there. Yeah, they don't want right. To, <laughs> well, that, no. and, 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 it, and it might not even be that he figured it out. It was the hypothesis that, that Tesla had and which were really good theories. I mean, you know, DARPA, right? A little bit the, about DARPA. The, yeah. The, the, the defense agency that, that comes up with really wild thoughts like, Hey, can we do, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then they, and then they set out, okay, we want to accomplish this. Well, how do we get to that? And they've got, def- they got multi million dollar budget, you know, 
So it make I could see an agency like that using Tesla's uh, writings to try to bring it to reality. Oh, absolutely. And um, and the uh, the clip with uh, Randall Carlson says that's exactly what they're doing. That some of the stuff that Joe Rogan was trying to get him to talk about, and he's like, "Well, I don't really want to get into it because it's kind of a, a show in itself." But he touched on it. He said, "Yes, this is based on Tesla's work." Exactly. Interesting. So I think we're kind of seeing that this whole thing kind of take shape in terms of rediscovering old technology um, and then how it it has so much to do with acoustic properties of things and, um, you know, the ancients knowing this stuff. So that's one of the things that that Michael Tellinger says about the Anunnaki is they were masters of technology. Well, that dovetails perfectly with the book of Enoch, right? They were teaching man all these technologies. Very true. And then, then this gets into a little bit more of the controversial side of his opinion. So he says on the show several times that, that the giants were especially like these 150, 200 foot, earlier giants were the guardians of the earth and they were gentle good good giants and so the where he says he gets this is from years and years and dozens and dozens of psychics and shamans um he calls them shamanic or shamanic downloads or psychic downloads from dozens and dozens of people over many years and his conclusion is that they're all saying the same thing. And so the probability that they're incorrect is very small. But then I kind of filter that through a Christian worldview and say, well, we know that Satan and fallen angels and demons have been around for millennia, and they know quite a bit of knowledge. So if you're talking about people that are tapping into sources of knowledge that God says for us to stay away from, like divination, witchcraft, you know, psychic stuff, um, false religions. Well, to me, it just seems really likely that that information could have been colluded, you know, that they would all give the same info. What do you think? Oh goodness, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, so the reason I say that too is because everything in the Bible and the Book of Enoch and other sources say that because of the Watchers and because of the giants, the Nephilim, the Earth was incredibly violent and corrupt. So we never have any examples that they were these good, benevolent guardians of the earth. Oh. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that that theory of his doesn't line up with what we know as biblical truth or the biblical worldview. So that's where, and then if his sources are coming from shamans and psychics and all this stuff, that's where I think it's suspect. Because it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've heard 
and I, I really appreciate Graham Hancock's research and and excellent questions that he's done. Um, but he kind of subscribes to the same line of thinking. He's he doesn't look at it from a biblical worldview, and he puts a lot of emphasis on um, the psychedelics of these uh, different nations. And there is common things that they come up with uh, when they're getting revelation through the psychedelics. But having a biblical worldview on the subject, I just feel like the, the psychedelics, their experiences, and then knowing how the enemy will deceive people, I just... I don't know. I don't put a lot of stock in in that uh, that that line of thinking. So I take it I take it with the grain of grain of salt. Okay, I hear you, but you know, um, the Bible's got to be the the Bible's got to be the final authority. Exactly, and I think it's got to get corroborated. And when we have things that directly contradict it in Scripture, then it becomes very suspect. And I think too. You know, demons can certainly give a psychic the truth about things, but but you never know. You know, he could give you the truth ten times in a row. Hey, you're gonna, you know, meet someone with these features, and they're gonna tell you this in a week, and you do. Okay, well then that doesn't mean the next time they tell you something that it's gonna be true. So it's it's not trustworthy, even if they do tell you the truth because they're probably going to tell you the truth in some cases to gain trust. So, yes, it's uh, it's not a trustworthy source. Yeah, exactly. Because they have their own agenda. Yep, yep. And I th- so that's I think having that biblical worldview I think is really important in kind of deciphering what Michael Tellinger is talking about there because he's just looking at it from a purely uh, statistical way and saying okay we've got you know hundreds of these people over 12 years or something he said saying the same thing about the Anunnaki about these gentle giants being the guardians of the earth and it was it was the reptilians that were the bloodthirsty evil ones and so on and they were fighting with one another and all of that some of that might be true well, if you, but yeah if you're thinking about deception um and what is the one of the big sins that the Lord uh, commands? You know, you shall love the Lord thy God and worship Me only. So it's the sin of idolatry. So if if the enemy can deceive people um, and get these nations of the world to remember these ancestors, these entities, these even physical giants, these hybrids as gentle even though they weren't you know um you're you're emulating them with with all kinds of different things and you end up devoting worship to them yes so you got evidence around that around the world of that taking place of this this worship this idolatry and you're not going to worship something that's seeking your destruction Mm -hmm. you're going to worship something that you remember it's kind of like you you could uh 
remember something from your past and it might have been a terrible experience but part of you part of the flesh and part of the, what the enemy will try to re- get you to do is just remember the good times mm. you know yeah. they won't remember the the bad times that you went through they try to highlight so it, it's enticing you to to revisit those things again because it's only highlighting the positives so i uh, i think that's part of our our nature that's fallen you know to do that as well yeah i, so, I think it's a flipping I of I, I agree i think it's a flipping of the script like the counterfeit counterfeiting right like no no uh lucifer is actually the creator and he's good and god is the evil one you know it's it's kind of that whole yeah. that whole flipping that seems to be the deception that's with um this idea so yep I think we're on the same page there. All right, so then um, doing a little bit of kind of discover this by accident, again, reading Doug Van Dorn's book. Um, he's talking about Mount Hermon. And so this gets in a little bit into kind of the blessing and cursing, um, the Derek Prince stuff, um, which we can touch on. I mean, I think we should we should devote more study to it because it's it's really pretty powerful um i i forgot that i had his his book on that on audible so i'm listening to it now um but there's also kind of a you know like do you remember the title um it's like blessings and curses or something like that i think it's just something simple like that okay but then the the youtube clip that i sent out too is basically that same concept in like a hour hour and a half message um but this kind of ties into that so doug van doren's talking about uh mount herman and he says herman spelled k-h-r-m-n without the vowels in hebrew is almost identical to k-h-r-m which is the word anathema on mount Hermon. The watchers, Herman, the watchers cursed, cursed themselves. Later on in the days of Moses and Joshua, the harem was called the ban. This is where Israel was to devote to destruction all of the men, women, children, animals, and belongings of the inhabitants of Canaan. So he's making the connection of a very similar word for the actual mountain that the watchers came down and did this awful sin and corrupted humanity. And it's almost identical to the word that means cursed and devote to destruction. Hmm. Isn't that something? So it's literally, that mountain is literally named something that could mean accursed. Um, And then if you just Google the the etymology, which is the word study of anathema, uh, or I'm sorry, of, of, uh, well, let me just read this here. Uh, Borrowed from late Latin anathema, which means curse, person cursed, itself a borrowing from ancient Greek, anathema, something dedicated especially to eternal damnation. 
Uh, the ancient Greek term was influenced by Hebrew, harem, so there's that same word, leading to the sense of accursed, especially in ecclesiastical writers. So you have that concept of harem for these tribes that were enemies of Israel who were influenced by the giants, who were probably made up a lot of them. And the same word tied to Mount Hermon. I think that's really fascinating. Interesting. Yeah, so getting into some of the um, blessing and cursing, because I think like continuing this theme of the power of words, of frequencies, resonance, um, like there's so much creative power and destructive power in those things. And, uh, and Derek... Um, breaks that down pretty good. And he talks about um, seven signs that you may have a curse at work in your life. Um, and he goes through these different... And he he did a really in-depth study in Deuteronomy because I guess it outlines a lot of these things. Um, but he talks about these seven uh, kind of characteristics that you might notice. So mental and emotional breakdown is one, chronic sickness, especially without a clear cause, um, or, or like genetic, like it runs in the family, um, repeated uh, reproductive problems, miscarriages, that kind of thing, uh, breakdown of marriage and family, uh, alienation, uh, continuing financial insufficiency, uh, nothing quite works, works, no matter your abilities or education. Um, being accident-prone. And then histories of suicides or unnatural, untimely deaths. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And so he's he gets into like how to pass from curse to blessing. And of course, you know, it says Jesus on the cross became a curse for us. So that's the basis of it is faith in Christ's, Christ's death and resurrection. Um, but then he gets into, like, real-world examples that you think, like, how in, this, how in the world could this be possible? Um, and it, and it kind of ties into Dr. Um, Emoto's experiments, like, that I did with, with food, with rice, with an apple, you know, saying or thinking positive words to one and negative to another and the difference in you know the the mold growth and and just the appear right. appearance the smell of it come from one to the other so he talks about like real life examples where people will be told i'm sick to death of your cooking and they're literally pronouncing a curse on themselves you know and they develop um like uh, digestive issues that their the whole rest of their life because they literally just told themselves I'm sick to death because of this, or someone that's told I hate your guts, and they have you know some sort of cancer that develops in their stomach. Um, so it's just examples of things that we can pronounce to others or on ourselves that actually manifest in physical. Or mental ailments is is just crazy, just crazy. But 
there's a, there's a lot of Bible verses that we, you know, we tend to spiritualize and kind of look at like pragmatically, but they're very, um, if you take them a little more li- literally, it kind of makes sense. So I was just going to read through um, a few of those. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Kind of takes on a different meaning, doesn't it? Like literal, literal healing. But it, it, get it, it gets into, well, because we're spiritual beings. Um, and then it's also what what you were speaking of earlier uh, about the vibrations. There's good vibrations. There's bad vibrations. So, I mean, to receive hearing, to receive the words that I'm speaking to you right now, yes, you're miles away, but there's vibrations that are taking place in order for your eardrums to receive those. You know, so there's there's physical things, there's things that we can't see with the vibrations, but then we're also spiritual beings, and there's power in life and death in the tongue. It's 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 very interesting that you know it's not woo spooky type of thing right. like you know God created. There's some very practical things that could be even measured scientifically. You know, yep. on what he did, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. It is. And, uh, Derek talks about a specific example in his life where he didn't even hear what was being said about him. So he was thousands of miles away in another country and he just had this, I guess you would call it kind of a, a inner knowing, like God gave him a, a word of knowledge that two of his friends back home were talking about him negatively because there was a disagreement and he didn't get into what it was but it's like something in Derek's ministry he went down kind of a a new or a different path and I think one of the friends was agreeing and one of the friends was disagreeing with that path anyway they were they were fighting about it and he had this sense of it thousands of miles away so he didn't even hear it right so you're talking about like the physical manifestation of hearing things that's one thing but this was like in his spirit sensed it so maybe something in the spiritual realm some some sort of you know legalities in the spiritual world and he literally developed a debilitating pain like he didn't think he could continue with what he had planned uh overseas until he dealt with it as a curse and so he had to recognize it, he had to recognize it, he had to rebuke it, and um, I forget all the steps, it was fairly simple, but basically he had to deal with it, and then uh, he said within five minutes the pain was gone, and he'd never had it the rest of his life. Remember the testimony I was giving you about um, Lion's Mane? Ooh, I don't remember recall. the... Um, so this was maybe a year ago or something, but um, lion's mane is a, is an herbal supplement. It comes from a mushroom, and um, it's supposed to be for your brain, mental health. Okay, 
and I I believe there there probably is a lot of health benefits in that but the particular source meaning who I bought it from who is growing this particular uh, fungi um, was definitely of the occult variety okay and even the packaging was occult I uh, when I bought it at the farmers market I ended up looking them up on um, social media and their their web pages and stuff and I was looking into a very new age Asian type of culture influence but what took place and it, it didn't take place immediately something changed um, this particular day and I started having I don't I don't know how to describe it exactly other than maybe like a schizophrenic type of um, my mind was it wasn't like I was hearing voices but it was very cluttered it was it was like I it was it was busy it was just you know you ever get that feeling that when you're trying to sleep and you got have you have an unsettled mind it's just you you're thinking all kinds of different things and you're kind of all over the place and it affects it affects your heart rate you're unable to settle and to to relax and go to sleep so i was dealing with this in my mind and and this is supposed to be an herb that is supposed to give you clarity and give you mm. peace of mind and i was getting the exact opposite results wow so i was dealing with this for a, a little while and i was literally in the shower still dealing with this and kind of like a Derek Prince type of situation. I got a, a revelation, which I believe was from the Lord of what, the, what this was. And I had to deal with it in a spiritual manner <laughs> because the attack was spiritual. Wow. So I had to use the name of Jesus. I had to rebuke it. I had, to, um, you know, I did all the things that I thought I needed to do. And um, I might have even repented, you know, just to cover it under the blood, you know, that, oh, shoot, I should have known better. I shouldn't have bought that from those people or whatever. And it was literally, as I took action, my mind changed. Wow. So, and and it settled and it just, it, it, it changed. And I literally, I, I, I threw it away. Yeah. I threw that stuff away. <laughs> and I'm not against that particular product maybe from a better source, maybe from, from Christians. I don't know, but you can, uh, it had an attachment, didn't it? That's... It had, and had an attachment. Yeah. So what I've learned is certain things, um, you can, you can have attachments on artifacts. You can, as you're saying with the example of Derek Prince, you can speak things into the atmosphere and, and it will travel literally thousands of miles to an individual, whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing. And in some cases, there's legal right for those attachments. Right. And the Bible talks about legal rights um, of artifacts. Um, you look at statues, say a Buddha or something like that. It was literally a demonic god there, and it has legal rights attached to it. So you, you can, you can maybe bind it with spiritual words, you know, to prevent it from influencing you, but it's not going to go away unless you destroy it. 
So I don't know. That was just a real life, my Derek Prince uh, moment, you know. And who knows what what this couple might have prayed or, you know, done certain um, activities and in, 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 in their mind, oh, we want to bless um, all the people that are uh, partaking of our mineral, you know, our supplements. So they did their own type of, of, of thing over, not knowing that they're actually dealing with something that is going to harm me. I think that is an excellent, as a Christian. excellent insight of, of what may have happened because, um, yeah, there's an example Derek gives of a woman who is uh, working at a, a company and uh, her, her boss wanted her to type up. They were they were the company was like getting in touch with some female guru in some religion and to have kind of I don't know insider blessings on their business. And so they were all into this, and um, he said, "Hey, um, she uh, she pronounced these blessings on us. Um, could you type these up for for our, for our group for the company?" And she, this lady's a Christian, and and when she was looking at it, she realized these were not blessings. And she's like, "I I can't do this. It goes against my my faith." And the boss was very understanding and said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I never would have asked you." But I think there's that idea of, like you just said, they think they're pronouncing something good, you know, over that product or over people, and it's not. It's actually a curse. Well, and, and if, yeah, they don't have a revelation of the truth, and all they're dealing with is this um, type of religion, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna it, it might affect an unbeliever, and and there might not be any effect, you know, positive or negative. But because I'm walking a different path, the enemy saw an opportunity to almost legally, like a legal right. Hey, uh, you know, this was spoken against this person, so I legally can attack this person, you know. And, and the Lord had to bring me a, a revelation of what was taking place so I could combat it, you know. Interesting. We have, to, we have to deal with it with the weapons and the tactics on the level that, we, that it's being uh, dealt to us. And I was... So there's the, there's the spoken words, there's the vibrations of those words, and then we're dealing with the spiritual realm. So it's all tied together with the stuff that we're talking about today. Yeah, so just this morning I was reading in um, a really good book on uh, spiritual warfare uh, called In the Devil's Toolbox, and this is part one, I forget the author, part one uh, where he deals with emotions and how those are used by, by the devil, but a really insightful couple pages where he's talking about how we are made of body, soul, and spirit, and then kind of giving the the definitions of those. And so then he gets into kind of the like the demonic affliction, oppression that can even happen to Christians, and of course that's hotly debated and 
largely kind of dismissed dogmatically that, you know, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can't have these situations. But I love the way they broke it down. So the Spirit is what we need regenerated when we come to faith. So that's the part that died through sin. The body and the soul, so the flesh and then the soul being like our will, our emotions and all that, um, our heart, our subconscious, those things, the body and the soul are still intact. So that that didn't get uh, totally destroyed. You could say corrupted probably, but not. it's not totally destroyed. It's not totally non-functioning from the fall of Adam, right? It was the spirit that was that was totally dead and needs to be. And then we saw the evidence of that in Genesis with the fall. Because did Adam and Eve just drop over dead in their flesh? No, it was a spiritual thing. And it took that some time for that corruption to manifest itself into literal mortal death. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, so I think those are really important distinctions to say, how is it that, you know, Satan, I mean, the Bible talks about being able to have thoughts. He can he can mess with our thoughts. How can a Christian be demonized? Well, it's not in our spirit that we're demonized. The Holy Spirit re- resides there. It is in our soul and in our mind, or in our flesh that it can it can reside. So those two, you know, like Paul said, I have two natures at war within me. And until we um, have our glorified bodies on the other side of eternity, you know, we're going to deal with those two natures. But I thought that was really interesting. And then I also tie it into because, as you know, I'm I'm fiercely anti-Calvinist, anti-reform um, theology. And I have very deep reasons for that, historically and otherwise. But um, one of the points that five-point Calvinism brings up that talks about um, why uh, it takes God to do a special work in order us for us to have the faith to believe. So, so in their mind, they're saying we're all we're all dead. And then they point to all these different verses about being dead in our sins and things like that. And they say, say see, unless God does a special work first, and he, and again, they, they say they only do it for the elect. So it's only a certain group that gets this. And if God doesn't do it, well, you're, you're tough luck. You know, you, you could go to church all you want. You could hear the gospel all you want. You will never be saved. You're never going to heaven unless God does this flips the light switch first. And I think that is a, uh, a, a misunderstanding of what happened with the fall, that our spirit became dead, but our body and our soul are still functioning. Because what does uh, Paul say? If you confess with your mouth, flesh, and believe in your heart, soul, you will be saved. So those two things are still intact. You can still respond to the gospel, which he again says the the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So the power is in the message. We don't need a special work to 
to be able to receive it. But a special work happens once we do receive it. And doesn't isn't there a scripture that says that it is the Lord's will? It's in his own desire that all to come to the saving knowledge and grace. You know, so if he makes it available to all, how is there a pre-select few that he's going to give it to? So it sounds to me like it's available to all. It's his death, burial, and resurrection was for all. It's his spirit that is drawing or trying to draw all, but it's the free will of individuals that are either rejecting or choosing him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and again, I don't want to like necessarily de- de- derail, <laughs> but I think that's really important tie-in to body, soul, and spirit. And I do want to talk about that on future um, podcasts uh, with with you and Don and stuff because it is so foundational to understand um, theology, Bible, how does how does salvation work? And that's why I'm, you know, as I'm learning about. Uh, we started the first few episodes talking about the Sethite view of Genesis 6, where they're they're naturalizing this event and saying it wasn't angels, it was just the good sons of Seth and the bad daughters of Cain, and giants weren't really giants, and Goliath was only six foot five, and all this stuff. And they're gutting the Bible of the context of why these tribes were the the harem of these tribes to utterly destroy them um that came largely not not solely but largely through the influence of augustine in popularizing that view well john calvin was a huge i mean like practically all his and admittedly in his own writings his theology comes from augustine and so so in my head I'm tying this gutting the bible of the context of why you know the nature of evil where it comes from how did the world become corrupt it's not just the fall of man and then also why were these tribes commanded to be killed every man woman child animal and then and then misrepresenting the nature of salvation because if god is predetermining some to salvation by default he's predetermining some to damnation well Hmm. that to me that's not the god of the bible god of the bible is i'm gonna sacrifice myself and show my love that way by sacrificially demonstrating that to be a servant to all he's not gonna predetermine before birth somebody for hell and give you zero chance i think in his in his fairness and justice and goodness, he's going to give us a chance for for that. So basically, I just in long winded way to say, I think those two errors uh, of reform theology and um, and naturalizing Genesis six removes so much context and so much understanding of the Bible and has done so much damage. You know, you've got you got famous atheists saying. You know, look at what a genocidal God, the Old Testament God is. You've got people leaving the Christian faith because they go, well, Romans chapter 9 says that, uh, you know, God can d- d- 
decide who he wants uh, to be saved or not, even though that's not what Romans 9 is about. You know, so it's, it's a misrepresentation of the character of God and what he's about. But we'll, we'll save more of that for another time. But, uh, <laughs> well, should we wrap it up? Uh, is there any other, uh, on the, the frequencies and uh, vibrations and stuff, is there any, uh, well, I, other points you wanted to make this morning? I think that's about it. I was going to read some more, um, some more Bible verses on like the power of the tongue and words. Um, but I, I don't want to necessarily leave this topic totally. So let's, let's dig into a little more of kind of the blessings and curses stuff with Derek Prince. And then I can, I can read some of those more of those Bible verses that go along with that, because I think that's an interesting study in and of itself um, to get, to get into. It definitely is. And, um, I'm reminded also, and like you said, there's a lot we could dig in on this subject. Um, in the Gospels, you had Jesus, right? He came across uh, the fig tree, and he spoke to it and cursed it. And they came back by it later, him and his disciples, and saw that it had shriveled up and died. So, yes, he's fully man or fully God, but he's also fully man. He was the second Adam. So he was walking in the flesh, but it's, what was it that he was, how was he able to do that? You know? And, uh, I, I just, it's a lot of things that the Lord did. He was trying to show us the way that we, 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 we have that ability. If we have a right relationship with greater things, we will do. He said, I think some of this, right. some of this knowledge, with some of this knowledge, maybe was never meant for us, right? You know, uh, but but here it is, and uh, like you were talk, touching on earlier, a lot of people use it to to chase after their own gods of their own makings, you know, New Age philosophy and and you know Eastern philosophy and all these different ways of seeing the world. They're not based on nothing. You know, there's something to a lot of these things. You know, there, there's something to psychic powers or, or, you know, manifesting something physical just by thinking about it. You know, there's something to that, but it is a distraction from the one true God. So I just wonder if, like, some of this stuff was never meant for us to know. You know, when we, when we took of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and then the watchers teaching us things. God knew the corrupting influence that it would have. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that thought, let's wrap it up and then, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up from there next week. Oh, actually I almost forgot. So Christmas coming up. Um, I wanted to dig Christmas Eve next Saturday. Yes, I wanted to dig into if we have time, maybe we can um cuz I'm going to be out of town, but maybe earlier in the week, possibly Thursday. Uh I thought it would be fitting for Christmas to go through some of the different reasons for the possible dates of Jesus birth. So, start with December 25th, which is the tradition and where did that come from and why? And then get into Michael Heiser and Doug Van Dorn's position that it was September 11th, 3 BC, based on Revelation 12. 
and the signs in the heavens that would have occurred at that time, so that point to that date, which I was totally sold on <laughs> until I <laughs> until I listened to Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. And he, really? he gives a presentation on it's absolutely in the spring. And he talks about like uh, sheep only have lambs in the spring, and that's why the shepherds would have been out there protecting the... And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's got to be the spring. So um, so I will send you guys um, clips on those. Do your own, come to your own conclusions, but um, let's talk about that. I thought it would be fitting for Christmas. So Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, good, good discussion. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. You've been listening to the Days of Noah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, do us a favor and just leave a positive review or even just click five stars for the rating. really helps get the show out to more people. Please share and subscribe. Send it to your friends, family. We hope to really provide insightful, interesting content to you, and we appreciate it all of your feedback as well. Hope you all have a fantastic Christmas season and Happy New Year. Please tune back in for the next episode where we're going to talk about Jesus' birth. Spring, fall, winter, when was it and why? Why?